Hi there, welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at southsidesbc.org or you can go to our Facebook page. If you'd like to connect with us, you can send us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please go on to your podcast platform and leave us a positive review to help others find our content more easily. Thanks for listening and have a great week. So this morning, uh, we are continuing uh, the series that we began last week uh, that I've entitled um, Being Christ-like in a World That Doesn't Like Christ. And so as believers, we are called to live in the world that we're in. The unfortunate thing is that what's becoming more and more true is that we live in a world that is um, not only doesn't like Christ, but many times is antagonistic towards Christians. And so how do we live in that world? Uh, I think we need, to, uh, we need to learn how to do that. And that's what I kind of wanted, wanted to talk to you in this series. I want to begin by a, a story that uh, I think is pretty funny, but we'll see what you think of it. Um, the monks at a, a remote monastery all adhered to a strict vow of silence. Uh, the vow that they had made could only be broken once a year on, Christian, on Christmas excuse me, and only by one monk. And when they broke their vow, this one monk could say one sentence, and that's, that's all anybody could say for the whole year. So one Christmas, Brother Thomas had his turn to speak. So he stands up. Here's what he said. I don't know if I would have chosen this sentence, but here's what he said. He said, I love the delightful mashed potatoes that we have every year with the Christmas roast. That was it. That was his statement for the year. And then he sat down and that was it for a whole another 365 days until the next Christmas when Brother Michael stood up. And here's what he said. He got his turn. He said this. He said, I think the mashed potatoes are lumpy and I truly despise them. (laughs) Now, if I only had one sentence to say in the whole year, I think I would come up with something better than that. But nevertheless, uh, that was it. That's all he had to say. So once again, clock ticks. 365 days later, the next Christmas, Brother Paul rose up. And here's what he said. He said, listen, I don't know about you guys, but I am fed up with this constant bickering. (laughs) Three years worth of bickering. Wouldn't we be grateful if that just consisted of three sentences? Amen. Listen, arguments, debates, disagreements happen to all of us. Amen? Even monks who are only allowed to speak once a year. The question is, how should we handle disagreements? How should we handle arguments? How should we handle um, debates? Uh, How should we interact with with those who, and let's just be real, okay? One of the reasons I wanted to, to do this series is because we live in a world that is increasingly polarized, And you have this side and that side, and whichever side you are on, there's another side. And as I talked about last week, we're supposed to be against the other side, and we're supposed to hate them and hate what they stand for and all of this. And so our world is becoming increasingly polarized, and this is kind of what our world is like all the time. And I believe it is really weighing on a lot of us. And so how how are we as Christians supposed to respond to that? If you didn't see last week's sermon, if you weren't here watching online, I encourage you to go back and do that. I think we had some Facebook problems last week, um, but that sermon is up, so you can go back and watch that. But last week we talked about the first way we're supposed to respond, really the overarching way we're supposed to respond, and this will encompass some of what we're talking about today as well, is we are supposed to love those who are on the other side. Amen? We're supposed to love them. Jesus says it this way. He says, love your enemy, Right? Um, and, and not, not just our neighbor, you know, yeah, love your neighbor, but he says, yeah, you've heard that it said that, but I say, love your enemy, love those who, who, who do, uh, to, who hate you do good to them who hate you, bless those who curse you, um, pray for those who use you and spitefully and, and persecute you. Um, and so we, we, we talked about that last week and we talked about how we're supposed to love everybody. Here's something, maybe, maybe somebody left thinking this last week, or maybe as you've thought about that, um, you th- here's the issue maybe you have with that. You say, but pastor, 
Um, are we supposed to love others at the expense of the truth? Uh, pastor, listen, um, for those who are wrong, somebody needs to do something about that. Somebody needs to stand up against that. Are, are, are we not ever supposed to confront somebody who's wrong? Pastor, are we, uh, are we just supposed to love them? Is someone um, not supposed to confront those who are promoting something that's false or against the truth? Are we just supposed to go along to get along? Are we supposed to just, uh, uh, just go with the flow and never rock the boat? To which I would say a resounding no. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I don't believe that's what Jesus was saying at all. Um, so if he's not saying that we're never supposed to, that, that, they're, that, they're, that we're always supposed to just keep quiet and, and, and you know, let, 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 let our love cover whatever problems, uh, which we are, love is supposed to cover a multitude of sins, but, but there are times, as we talked about last week, so how do we handle that? How do we handle those disagreements? How do we handle when we and somebody else disagree, whether it's a side or whether it's an individual or whatever it is, how do we handle that? Well, I believe in our text today, the Apostle Paul addresses that. I believe he talks about how we should interact with those who are on the other side. And I, I have put it that way. You'll hear me talk about it as those who oppose us. Or the, but it may not be somebody who we are like standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with. You know, it's just in our world today, you know, we are told to kind of put ourselves, you're in this box and they're in this box. And so you're against them. And all that. so just whoever you, whatever side you consider yourself on and whatever argument, or whatever debate, how do we, how should we treat those on the other side and how, how do we handle that? Paul gives us some, I believe some very, um, very good instructions for that. So if you've got your outline, take that with you, with you this morning, um, to write some of this stuff down. Number one, first of all, he gives us a warning. He gives us a warning, and that is to avoid strife and quarreling. To avoid strife and quarreling. Now, Paul here in 2 Timothy is writing to um, one of his sons in the faith. Okay, someone uh, he led to the Lord, uh, Timothy, who is now the pastor at the church of Ephesus. Okay, and Paul is instructing Timothy on how to deal with some false teachers who were trying to infiltrate the church there. And um, so look at verse 16. Let's back up. to This is a little bit before the main passage we're going to be looking at this morning. But verse 16, look at what Paul says to Timothy. He says this, but, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. He says, shun profane and idle babblings. There are people who want to talk about things and debate things and argue about things that just don't matter. Amen? Um, whether they're secondary, tertiary issues, or whether they have nothing to do with the faith at all and so forth, they're just issues that they feel strongly about, that they want to argue and debate and all this other stuff. And what Paul says to Timothy is to, to shun profane and idle babblings. Somebody who wants to talk about stuff just to argue or what have you, he says, don't worry about that. Why? He says, why? Because they, th that will lead to more ungodliness. In other words, it doesn't profit anything. It doesn't lead us to be more like Christ. It doesn't lead anybody to Christ. So what should we do? Avoid that. Look at verse 17. He says, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Phy Phy Philetus are of this sort. It's two good names for you if you're having a kid. Um, hey, listen, you know... Anyway, I want to see that. Oh, how cute, little Hymenius. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth. And, and Paul just names it. He names it and claims it right here, saying that the resurrection, here's what they said, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. So Paul gives a specific example. These couple of guys who evidently were false teachers there, and they were coming in and saying uh, that the resurrection, uh, that you know, we're going to be raised one day with Christ and when he comes back and saying that the resurrection's already happened. Now you say, what, how in the world were they saying that? I don't know. And you know what Paul said? It's, it's pointless. Come up with these little debates or things. I wonder about this. I wonder about that. You know, uh, and sometimes we get more concerned about that than we do the real thing. And so what Paul's saying here is, listen, don't be, don't be caught up in that. Okay. Um, it's very, 
it's very easy to get worked up when some, somebody comes up with something, um, maybe it's heretical, whatever, and we should stand against that. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But, um, you know, when somebody comes up with useless stuff, you say, can you believe what so-and-so said? Yeah, don't get worked up about it. You know, uh, it's very easy to get, feel justified in arguing with somebody, right? Well, somebody's got to stand up to their foolishness. Just shun it. You know, you know what? That's, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going there. It's not worth talking about. You can do that very calmly, very instantly doing that, friends. Because, listen, it can be very easy to go down a road of getting back and forth with somebody. Amen? So what does Paul say about that? Well, look down at verse 23. Here's what Paul says to Timothy about that. He says this, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. In other words, Paul simply says, listen, don't get drawn into that stuff. Don't get drawn into that back and forth, the argument, the quarreling. It's interesting here in verse 23 that the word strife in verse 23 and the word quarrel in verse 24 um, are both from uh, the same root word, make, uh, in the Greek, which means, which is, means fighting. So he's saying, listen, why should we, not, why should we avoid foolish and, um, and, and ignorant disputes? Because it leads to fighting. And a servant of the Lord must not fight. I think we need to remember that. Amen? It's not becoming of a follower of Christ to be somebody who loves to fight. Um, you know, there are some that just like to fight, right? Some people that are just looking for a fight. They're just looking for a quarrel. They're criti- critical, antagonistic, trying to be extreme on one side or the other just to create a rise in somebody else. You know, Scripture says is avoid that. In fact, when you look at the qualifications for an elder, a pastor, overseer in Scripture, uh, for a leader in Scripture, uh, one of those is, is, you know, someone who is not like that, okay? Someone who is not easily angered, somebody who is kind and gentle and, and not, doesn't have a, that, that, that kind of a fighting spirit. Um, when I was in seminary, uh, I worked several secular jobs just to support our family. Uh, and one, at one, uh, after, one day after work, I ran into a guy. I think he was working at the same house I was working at. And I started witnessing to this guy. And um, it, 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 pretty quickly I learned that he, um, he was of a different religion. I don't like to use that word, but he was a Hare Krishna. If you're familiar with Hare Krishna, you know, it used to be years ago they'd sell roses in the airport. <laughs> Uh, and stuff, but it's still around, and um, uh, it's a, a branch of Hinduism, and those who uh, adhere to that um, really have this idea that they're enlightened, and they have a higher truth than anybody else, and so forth, and so he and I got into a, what I was, I was just trying to share the Lord with him, and he started to argue with me on some specific points, and so forth, and so we started going back and forth, and just, I'll be real honest, he, I, I let, I kind of let him draw me into that argumentation type mode. And we argued and debated back and forth for about three hours after work. In fact, when I got home that night, um, I had a cell phone. I don't know why, but I remember, uh, I think I was just, we were, I was such in it, I didn't even think about calling Laura and so forth. And she's like, where in the world are you? I'm like, you don't even want to know. <laughs> but I got into this uh, quarreling with him and fighting and arguing and so forth, um, and, and, and it wasted three hours of my life. <laughs> Here's what I realized three hours later that the discussion that we had, the argument that I had with him did absolutely no good. It wasn't a discussion. It wasn't productive. It was simply an argument. And I left there that day determined to never argue or fight with someone, even over Scripture, ever again. So the best, I, I try not to. Um, listen, we need to talk to people, Amen. And we'll talk more about that here in a second, okay? But I don't believe God wants us to argue with people. Um, if I ever, if, listen, if it ever turns into an argument, I do my best to shut it down right away. Um, because, listen, if the Holy Spirit's not working on their heart, um, I can't convince them of anything, okay? It's the Holy Spirit that does the work. Now, maybe the Holy Spirit uses my argument and so forth. I don't know and, and so forth. But um, I'm just convinced that God does want us to argue. Now, sometimes he does want us to convince, and we need to, we need to think about that. But uh, what I learned that day is that instead of listening to the Holy Spirit, I became more concerned about proving that I was right. And if that's our motivation, shut it down. 
You know, it's not about you being right and somebody else being wrong. It's about caring enough about somebody's soul to talk to them about the Lord. And, and caring enough to be obedient to what Christ has called us to. Amen? Because he says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Can I say this? The same thing goes for inside the church. Okay? Um, listen, we have a wonderful, loving church. Um, and this is not something that characterizes our church. But let's be honest, in any church it happens. Um, we are supposed to correct error, you know. Somebody's in error, somebody's teaching, whatever. But we'll talk about how in just a minute. But we're not supposed to quarrel and fight, brothers and sisters. Amen? Let's remember that. Whether you're here at Southside for the rest of your life, which I hope so, or whether you go somewhere else, don't be a part of a quarrel or a fight. Imagine if all church members took that seriously. What would our testimony be? Amen? It would be such a great testimony for the Lord. The warning, avoid quarreling and strife. Let me give you the second instruction here that Paul gives us in that. So if we're not supposed to, if, that, if our attitude should not be quarreling and fighting, what should it be? Number two, our attitude should be that of gentleness and humility. Our attitude should be one of gentleness and humility. And let me just say this. You can write this in the margins right below there. Never harsh. Never harsh. Look at verse 24 again. As we continue, verse 24 says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. A servant of the Lord, which really is, he's talking to Timothy. You say, well, he's just talking to pastors. Listen, every qualification they, that is put forth for pastors is a qualification that ought to be characteristic of every single one of us. Why? Because the reason those qualifications are there for a pastor is simply to say that this pastor should be a, an example to the flock. So those, all those qualifications should be uh, uh, a characteristic uh, of all of us, those character qualities. And so uh, we must be gentle to all, um, mild, kind, mild-mannered, good-natured, right? Look at what it says next. Be gentle to all, able to teach. Uh, it's not talking here about that you got to have lots of knowledge. Now, I hope you'll grow in knowledge of the Lord and of his word. But what it's talking about here is an ability to communicate God's truth to others. Ability to, to communicate to others what Christ has done for you. We all should, should, should be able to, to learn how to do that if we don't already. Amen? And then it says, be gentle all, be able to teach, patient. What do you mean? What's it talking about patient in this context? Um, it's, patient here means able to forbear evil. Able to be patient when someone else has wronged you. It's the opposite of quick-tempered, amen? Able to um, love somebody even when they're not loving you. And then look at verse 25. It says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Now, we'll come back to the correcting part in those who are in opposition in just a minute. But how are we supposed to do that? What does it say? In humility. In humility. Um, it's the Greek word preates. means with gentleness with mildness, with meekness, with a humble attitude. Amen? Not prideful, not arrogant, not argumentative, but with gentleness. Friends, I believe Paul is talking here about the way in which we respond to those who, and treat those who are opposed to us. Amen? Those who are on the other side, whatever that may be. It ought to be with a gentleness. It ought to be with a calmness. It ought to be a, with a, a patientness an attitude of tenderness and care in the way we relate to them, in the way we speak to them, in the way we treat them. Even if they are belligerent towards us, we need to treat them with kindness, gentleness, and respect. In speaking about reaching and sharing others with the gospel, um, George MacDonald said that if we are going to reach our neighbors, we must cultivate, he says, not a spirit of criticism, and I would add, we, nor hatred, nor antagonism, nor of strife. But we must cultivate the talents that attract people to the hearing of the word. And those talents must include, at the very least, a spirit of gentleness, mildness, meekness, and humility in the way we interact with others. Amen? After all, someone has said that 90% of the friction of daily life is caused by the wrong attitude or the wrong tone of voice. Many times we create strife 
just by being in a bad mood ourselves. How much more successful, I want you to think about this, how much more successful might we be in, in winning somebody else to our side or more importantly, winning somebody else to Christ if we first treated them with respect and dignity? Um, I'm looking around the congregation. I don't see the young man that I had a great conversation with yesterday. Uh, maybe he's watching online. Um, he simply said to me yesterday as we started, I just said hello and started a conversation and he opened up about some things going on in his life and so forth. And um, just one thing he said stood to me, stood out to me. He said, um, he said, I came over here and I wasn't really sure what to expect. He said, um, he said, but you came up and you, you greeted me and you treated me just like another person. And he said, you know, I, I'm, 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 and that makes me want to talk and hear more. And so, Friends, a lot of times, we, our testimony and how we relate to others can either shut it down or open the door right away. Do we really love people? Do we really love people? This world is pitting one side against another. And listen, if, any, if you put anything else, listen, I don't like labels, okay? Pastor Brandon and I talk about this a lot, okay? And are you a this or are you a that? I don't know because I don't really like labels, I don't like to be put in this camp. I don't like to be put in that camp. You know, you want to know what I believe? I'll sit down. I'll talk to you about that. It's not that I don't stand for anything. I just don't like labels uh, because I don't like a me against them type of attitude. And that's what labels tend to do to us. As believers, as Christians, listen, we, the number one cause we are fighting for is the cause of Christ. Amen? And if it's anything else other than that, then maybe we've got our minds focused on the wrong things. We need to first avoid strife and quarreling. Second instruction Paul gives us is to have an attitude of, 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 of gentleness and humility. And then third, yes, he gives us encouragement that there are times, because as I started out this morning, well, pastors, we're just supposed to love each other. We wrap our arms around them. It doesn't matter what anybody does or what, what they believe. We just wrap our arms and love them, right? Well, yes, but it is not at the expense of the truth. There are times when we need to speak the truth in love, okay? We need to speak the truth in love. Look at what verse 25 says. He says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist here. You've heard what I've said this morning. Who do you think specifically is Paul talking about here as he says this to Timothy? He's talking about those two dudes who were, had, were talking foolishness, right? Hymenius and Philetus, Okay? He's given Timothy specific instruction for the whole church to see in humility. Yeah, sometimes you need to correct those who are on the other side and who have messed up thinking, who, who are not thinking scripturally. But look at, well, we'll get to this last part here in a little bit, but he says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Friends, yes, we are supposed to love others. Yes, we are supposed to uh, uh, be kind and nice to them, friends, uh, especially if they're our enemy, but we are not to do that at the expense of the truth. We are, Paul is not telling us to go along just to get along. He's not telling us that we're never to confront someone who is in error. What he is saying, though, is that we are to do it in love and gentleness. But there is definitely a time when we need to speak the truth, Amen. There's a definitely a time when we need to correct falsehood and what is false and untrue. In fact, I want to take a little diversion here, all right? This is the sermon within the sermon, but we're going to do it quickly, okay? So I want to go over to Ezekiel chapter 2. So take your connect card or something, stick it there in 2 Timothy. We'll come back to there in just a minute. I want to take you over to Ezekiel chapter 2. So if you flip your Bible to your middle, you can probably come to Psalms. You can go to the right a little bit. You get to Jeremiah, you're almost there. Ezekiel chapter 2. I want to take you here because I want to point out some truths about speaking the truth in love. I want to point out some truths that we need to remember related to this. Okay? So let me give you some context as we get here to Ezekiel chapter 2. The context is pretty simple. It's this. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel is shown a vision of the Lord's, of God's throne room. Okay? And he's shown a vision of angels and, um, and, and he gets the chance in this vision to see God in his glory. And at the end of chapter 1, what um, Ezekiel does is when he sees the Lord in his glory, it says he fell on his face and he heard God's voice speaking to him. 
Look at verse 1 of chapter 2 at what God says to Ezekiel. He says, and he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and he set me on my feet. So I think that's pretty interesting there. Ezekiel's, you know, prostrate before the Lord and he's um, really fell down in an act of just worship and acknowledgement of who God is. God just kind of stands him on his feet. And I heard him who spoke to me, verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel. So here in Ezekiel chapter 2, we have Ezekiel's call to ministry. But God gets his attention, shows him who he is, and then he says, Ezekiel, I'm calling you to be my messenger to the children of Israel. Number one, here's the first truth we need to remember, friends. Like Ezekiel, we are called to be God's messengers. We are called to be God's messengers. We are sent as his messengers. Amen? A couple of verses here I want to just remind you of. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So who are ambassadors for Christ? It's Paul right? We, right? We are. We are God. We are Christ's representatives to the world. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Right before Jesus, after Jesus had been risen from the dead and he was um, standing with his disciples right before he ascended back to heaven, he gives them this instruction. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, friends, we, who, who are the ones that are supposed to be his witnesses? We are, okay? We are his followers, his disciples. We are. Um, we are the ones charged to get his message out. So I want to just leave you with a simple, very simple thought, okay? So if the truth, his truth, needs to be spoken, who's going to do that? Who's the, only, who's the one that God's charged to do that with? We are. Friends, here's the thing. We are always looking for somebody else. Okay, well, they put that plea out. That's for somebody else to serve. They're talking about going out witnessing to your friends or being a testimony in your world. They're talking about others. I don't really have much of a world. I just have this little simple life and so forth. And we always think about it in others' terms. Here's what I want you to start thinking about it. God's talking to you. If you're a follower of Christ, he's talking to you. You are his messengers. And the people you come in contact with and whatever, you know, um, listen, I fully believe in God's sovereignty. And I believe that God uses us in different ways and so forth. But God may have just put you in contact with that person to speak to them about whatever issue it is that, that they need to be spoken to about. Whether it's their salvation or whether it's something um, that they're doing that they shouldn't, whatever. That may be, God may have put you there for that specific purpose. Amen? We are sent as his messengers. Second, B, number two. In our Ezekiel text, the second truth, truth we need to remember, friends, is this, that people are often stubborn and obstinate and prickly and rebellious. You say, Pastor, where'd you get them words? Right out of the text. Um, let's, look at, let's look back at verse 3 again. Ezekiel 2 verse 3 says this, and, 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 he's, and God said to Ezekiel, son of man, I'm sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation. That has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. So they are what? They are rebellious. So are we. Verse 4. For they are impudent and stubborn children. Impudent means stiff-necked, um, hard-hearted. Okay? Where they're hard-hearted, stubborn, rebellious people. Um, and, and then look down at verse 6. Verse 6 says this, And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Friends, sometimes people are prickly. Amen? Sometimes they bite. Do not be afraid of their words, or be dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. So here, God tells Ezekiel to go, speak to the Israelites, but listen, they're not going to want to listen to you. They're stubborn, they're rebellious, they, they're hard-hearted, and, 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 and they like to bite. But he says, don't be afraid of them. Go and tell them what I've told you to say. Um, uh, friends, the reality is sometimes people can be mean. Amen? Can we be honest? Sometimes we can be mean. That's why we need Jesus to change our hearts, 
to give us a new heart and transform us, friends. Um, and so, again, don't be pointing the finger. Anytime you point the finger, there's three and a thumb pointing back at you. Amen? And so it starts with us, okay? So listen, this is, it, this is the very reason why sometimes we need to speak to somebody. It's simply because they're stubborn, rebellious, prickly, and whatever else I said, or obstinate. Friends, listen, you may be the only person that gets the opportunity to speak to that person. Whether, that's, whether it's the truth of the gospel, whether it is um, confronting them about their sin, whether it's challenging them on what they believe, whatever, um, whatever, friends, you may be the one God has put there. And you say, but pastor, I'm not confrontational. I'm not either. And I don't want to be, but do it in love. I'm not telling you to shout at somebody. I'm not telling you to argue with somebody. We already talked about that. What I am saying is sometimes, let me just give you, you say, pastor, how do I do that? Whatever. Um, number one, first, you really need to have some sort of relationship. Now it doesn't have to be a 15 year relationship with somebody to do this. Okay. But somebody that you care about and, and, you know, I wouldn't go looking just to point out everything that's, that's wrong in somebody else's life. Okay. That's not our job either. But if God has been speaking to you that you, this person has something in their life that you need to point at, maybe they're Christian, maybe they're not. Maybe it's something that you need to point out to try to bring them to Christ. But you can do that in such a way as saying, hey man, listen, um, God's been laying something on my heart. And um, I'll be honest with you, I really don't want to talk about what I've got to talk about, but um, man, I love you. I care about you. Um, and I want, I want God's best for you. And so, you know, have you ever considered um, this aspect of what, of your character, what you're doing in your life, whatever it may be? Um, I, I don't know. I just want to challenge you to, to bring that under the authority of God in your life. It can be as simple as that, but did you feel threatened by that? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, is it a hard conversation? Absolutely. But sometimes, friends, if we're going to be the light of Christ, if we're going to be salt and light in a dark world, then sometimes we've got to lovingly talk to people. But listen, we also, you know, before you point out the speck in somebody else's eye, you better take the log out of your own. And so make sure you are where you need to be first. And reckon, do it humbly. What? In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. But just re realize that people are often stubborn. Here's number three in our Ezekiel text. The third truth we need to remember here, 3C, is this. Friends, what we speak adamantly should be only what God says. Let me explain. What we speak adamantly should be only what God says. Look at verse five, uh, no, not in verse five, verse four again. Excuse me, verse four. Verse four, he said, for they are an impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. Look over at chapter 3, verse 4. This kind of gets past where we are, but it's continuation. Ezekiel writes, and then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. So let me ask you this. God sent, told Ezekiel, he was sending him to the Israelites. He's saying, you've got to come up with what you're going to say, Ezekiel. Not at all. What did he tell him? He said, I want you to tell them something, and it's what I, what I want you to tell you, thus says the Lord. Here's what I want you to tell them. Friends, um, too often, we are more concerned about sharing our opinion than we are God's truth. And the truth that we speak and that we stand on, and if we are going to communicate something in love, it needs to be God's truth, not our opinion. Not our preferences, not our taste, not our point of views, not even our own interpretations unless it is fully backed up by the word of God, which makes it his, okay? So listen, um, listen. it doesn't mean you can't hold an opinion. We all have opinions, right? Um, it doesn't mean that you can't hold a preference or you can't hold a point of view. It doesn't even mean that you can't debate an opinion or an, an interpretation or uh, your point of view that you have or something. Uh, we can have those and we can debate those and that's fine and good and dandy in the proper context. But please, 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 as a child of God, don't be adamant. Don't speak your opinion adamantly as if it was a fact to someone if in fact it is not and it is just your opinion. Um, here's my suggestion. My suggestion. Hold your opinions loosely. Hold them loosely. Um, they're your opinions. That's fine. We all have them. There's a time to share opinions, and there's a time to debate them. There's also a time not to. Um, 
the problem is oftentimes as children of God, we are tempted to not just speak our opinions, but to argue our opinions. And we're not tempted not just to speak our opinions, not just to argue our opinions, but we are tempted to argue our opinions vehemently with those on the other side. And here's the main problem with that. Because, friends, the way we often do that gives a bad testimony to the name of Christ. And let me just, while I'm here, linger on it for just one more moment. Online as well. What you post and what you write criticizing another believer, criticizing somebody, even maybe who's not a believer, may say more about you than it says about them. Beware. Be careful. We don't need to bring shame to the name of Christ through that. Amen? Again, what did Paul say to Timothy? Now, we're not done in Ezekiel. What did Paul say to Timothy? Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And he just very plainly here says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must not fight. If it's not what God says, then it ought not be what we are adamant about. Amen? Leads us to the fourth and final truth I want us to remember from Ezekiel. And that's this, friends. That is that our responsibility, what is our responsibility in all this? Our responsibility is to speak, not to determine their response. Our responsibility is to speak, not to determine their response. Because we can kind of, we get kind of nervous about that, don't we? Well, how do I convince them? What if I don't know enough? What if I don't, what if, what if they come back with something that I'm not able to answer? If you've prayed about it, here's the caveats. If you've prayed about it and God's leading you to do, speak the truth to somebody in love, um, then you just need to lovingly speak it. And what happens after that? Look at what God says to, to Ezekiel. Verse five, he says this, as for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Whether they hear or whether they don't, whether they listen and, and obey me or whether they don't, God says, they're going to know that, that you were my prophet and that you did what I just asked you to do. Uh, look, look down at verse 7. He says, you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. And then he goes on to challenge uh, Ezekiel not to be rebellious, which is a whole other sermon in and of itself. Okay. But what was Ezekiel's responsibility? What did, what did God tell him to do? Did God tell him to make them, make them obey, Ezekiel? No. He said, Ezekiel, go and speak to them what I tell you. Thus says the Lord. And whether they obey or not, whether they do what you say or not, that's their decision. Friends, I think that's, a very, that's a, something we need to learn. Amen? Very simply put, what others do with what we tell them is their choice. We have to give them that right. Listen, when God tells us to speak the truth to somebody lovingly, we don't, here's the, here's the freeing part of it. We don't have to argue with them. We don't have to debate them. We don't even have to persuade them, even though there is a time for persuasion. Friends, because our job is simply to tell them what God says. It's up to them whether they hear or whether they refuse. Here's what Oswald Chambers wrote. He said, our Lord was never impatient. He simply planted seed thoughts. We get impatient and we take men by the scruff of the neck and say, you must believe this. You must believe that. He goes on to say, you cannot make anyone see moral truth by persuading his intellect. As John 16, 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he shall guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit has to convict them of that. We need to be sensitive to that. We need to be looking for where the Holy Spirit's working. We need to be asking. And listen, if you feel God leading you to talk to somebody, whether it's about their salvation or about something in their life or whatever, you know what you need to do long time before you actually approach them? You need to pray. You need to pray that God would work on their heart. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into situations where, that I knew could blow up, that I had to talk to somebody about something difficult. I pray it over. Isn't that when our prayer life gets really serious? <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're facing something difficult? God, help me. God, soften their heart. God, you show them what needs to be shown. And uh, while, while not always, most of the time, I go into that situation, what I find out is God's already been at work. And the softening of the heart has already happened. 
because he lays on our heart to speak to them. He lays on their heart the conviction, and the two come together. Our responsibility is simply to speak, not to determine their response, which leads us back to number four overall, the fourth instruction Paul gives us back in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Which is something that we definitely need to keep in mind. What is the goal? What's the purpose? What's the point of it all? Paul gives it to us very clearly here in verse 25 and 26. The goal is repentance and or, I put, salvation. The goal is repentance and or, if they're not saved, the goal is obviously salvation. We'll talk about that. But it may just be repentance for somebody who is a believer. Look at what Paul writes in verse 25 and 26. He says, In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So, first of all, the goal is that we share with them so that hopefully they will repent, that God will grant them repentance, amen? That they'll recognize their sin, they'll recognize that they are a sinner and they need Christ or that they're walking not in the way they should and they'll turn from their sin and back to the Lord and back to the truth. Look at verse 26. And that they may come to their senses. What text does this remind you of? That, that what I just said. Doesn't it remind you of the prodigal son? You know, who wanted to go off and live life however he wanted to live it. And the scripture says, and when he came to his senses. Listen, if you're saved, there was a point at which you came to your senses. Amen. Um, we all need to come to our senses. Sometimes, multiple times. Amen. You know, we have a phrase for that nowadays. Sometimes we call it a come to Jesus moment, amen? We need to have those. We need to come to our senses and look at what it says. Escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Listen, the devil puts all kind of lures out there, puts all kind of nice bait out there that he hooks us with. Sometimes we don't even know we've been hooked by his falsehood and, and his mess that he wants to do in our lives. But the point here is that Paul is telling Timothy, why do you in humility correct those who are in opposition so that they will repent and they will turn to Christ and they will um, not be entrapped in whatever falsehood or, or misbelief or error or whatever they were in, entrapped in by the devil. That should be our goal. Amen. For the believer, as we speak the truth in love, the goal is not to win an argument. Can we remember that? Amen. Say that with me. The goal is not to win an argument. The goal is not to win an argument. Listen, if that's what you're about, stop it. The goal is not to make somebody, dare I say, a Republican or a Democrat. I'm not into political conversions, okay? Some of you are going to get mad at me about that. That's fine. Um, the goal should not be to simply change someone's moral standards, Listen, do I want somebody to act moral? Sure. You know, I, if you talk to enough people, what you're going to find is sometimes people have some pretty filthy language. I could sit there and talking to somebody that's using a cuss word every third word and I'm talking to, and I could say, you know what? You really shouldn't do that. You know, I've never done that because their cussing is not their real problem. Their real problem is in here. And if I can help them see that and let Jesus change in here, then guess what? It works its way out eventually right here. <laughs> okay? Remember that. The point is not to, make, to change somebody's moral standards. Listen, the point is not even to just change somebody's belief on a particular subject. That's not the main point. Although, um, those things will change if the last thing takes place, friends. The goal, the point is to help them come to repentance so that God will save their soul. That's the goal. If we're speaking the truth in love, that should be our goal. Friends, and if that is the goal, then what is our primary responsibility? What is it we need to worry about? It goes back to D. It goes back to the previous point, D. Our responsibility is to what? Speak. Our responsibility is simply to speak the truth in love. Um, friends, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you with whatever situation God has brought to mind with this, um, that that there's somebody you need to talk to about something or whether it's uh, somebody that, that you know that doesn't know the Lord, that needs to know the Lord. or, or But, but m maybe it's, a, it's somebody that you've had an argument with, that you've had a debate with, and you think, you know what, I need to, I need to put these into, into practice. Friends, um, 
Can I just encourage you, let the gospel be primary in your conversations. Let the gospel be the goal. Amen? Amen. I want to close with, this, uh, with a story about a young lady by the name of Megan. Megan uh, is a young lady who's walked the picket lines for a particular group that she was involved with um, since she was five years old. So she's been a part of this organization since she was five years old. The members of this group that she was involved with are notorious for picketing and protesting against issues, laws, people, organizations, even corporations that they are vehemently opposed to. They have even publicly celebrated when bad things have happened to those that they oppose. Megan has been taught to hate and disdain anyone on the other side almost her entire life. It wasn't until 2012 that Megan began to have a change of heart and a change of mind. Thanks to, believe it or not, Twitter. Previously, she zealously debated people on Twitter. But she says that things soon changed. People, here's, here's what she says. She says, people I'd sparred with on Twitter would actually come out to the picket line to see me when I protested in their city. She said, we started to see each other as human beings and it began to change the way we spoke to one another. It took time, but eventually these conversations planted seeds of doubt in me about what I'd been doing. Leaving the organization she was involved with, which included family and close friends, was extremely difficult for her. They never, she, she knew that many of them, probably most of them, would never speak to her again. But on the other side, she also believed that she'd be shunned by those whom she'd verbally fought with for so many years. So what was she to do? She was going to, wanted to leave, but she was, they weren't, she was caught in the middle in her mind. She said, I wanted to hide from the world I'd rejected for so long. People who had no reason at all to give me a second chance after a lifetime of antagonism. But Megan soon came to understand what Proverbs 15.1 truly means. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up strife. She comments on today's political partisan bitterness and the people who influenced her. She said, I remember that path. It will not take us where we want to go. We, we have to talk and listen to people that we disagree with. I think it's a great statement. Amen. And I will always be inspired to do so by those people I encountered on Twitter, apparent enemies who became my beloved friends. They came to me with pointed questions, tempered, however, she says, with kindness and even humor. They approached me as a human being, and that was more transformative than two full decades of outrage, disdain, and violence. Friends, I think that's a good testimony for us to remember. Friends, how about you? How have you interacted with those who are opposed to you, with those whom you disagree with or who disagree with you, who are on whatever other side of whatever argument you want to talk about? Have you lovingly sought to speak the truth to them? I, hopefully I've given you some very practical things this morning. You need to pray about it. I'm not talking about you need to go out and just confront everybody you know. Please don't misunderstand me in saying that. It's if the Holy Spirit leads you. Because sometimes we're just, I think, a little bit like maybe Ezekiel. Notice that what we read about Ezekiel, God's encouraging him. Ezekiel, here's what I'm calling you to do. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what you're going to do. Who's God put laid on your heart to go to, to lovingly say, hey, have you ever considered this? Have you ever considered that the direction of your life maybe is not where you want it to be? Maybe that God has a better plan for your life. Who is it? And then let me ask you. Would you go to them and speak to them in love? Now, maybe some of you say, Pastor, it's too late. I'm known for being belligerent with my friends. I'm known for arguing. It's never too late to apologize. It's never too, too late to let the Lord change your heart. Okay? Um, I want you to think about what your testimony is like. I'm not saying maybe God may have given you that bulldog spirit, but let's channel it in the right way. Channel it with Christ's love and his compassion and his gentleness and humility seeking to correct those who are in opposition. If perhaps God will bring them to repentance so that they may come to know the truth. What step do you need to take today? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father,
Lord, as we feel the weight of your word, your truth, speaking to us, Lord, about our responsibility and the call that you've placed on our lives, Lord, to be your representatives, your messengers to those around us. Lord, I pray that we will be in constant prayer about how to interact with those, loving them, building relationships with them, but also looking for the opportunities where your spirit is at work, the opportunities that you give us to lovingly talk to others, to share Christ with them, to help them see the error of their ways and the glorious, glorious grace of your truth, Lord. There is no other, there is no better than you, Lord. Help us, give us the, the words to say to convey that to those that we come in contact with each and every day. Friend, if you're here this morning, maybe you need to ask God for forgiveness on how you've approached others. Maybe you need to ask him for forgiveness for the sin of silence when you know he's been leading you to say something. Whatever it is, friend, would you do business with God today? Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you need to give your heart to Christ. You've realized that, that your life has been focused on you, and it's, 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 going, it's gone somewhere that, that you didn't want to go. You've realized the error of your way, and you want to turn I pray that God will grant you repentance today to turn to him as your Lord and Savior. Would you turn from your sin to Christ today? Friend, would you respond to the Lord? Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. Holy Spirit, do your work in us. Help us respond to you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks, and have a great week.